Today we are continuing our series Q&A. If you are new or a guest, this is typically not what we would do on a Sunday, but we are using this series to answer your questions. You have texted in your questions, and so we are addressing and answering those questions. And for this, we do have some ground rules, okay? For questions where the Bible directly and specifically speaks to those questions, we, we're going to go straight to the Bible. And it doesn't matter what you think or I think, the Bible has the final authority, is the inspired Word of God. However, if we hit a question where the Bible doesn't directly answer that question, we're going to look to principles. We can find principles from the Scriptures to give an answer to that question. Because obviously we're, we're living in different times. we got technology and cars and internet and all that. They didn't have that back then. When the Bible was written. And then lastly, if maybe there's a question that the, the Bible doesn't speak to and really even can't even pull scriptures as, as principles, what I'll do is, is I'll give you my opinion. Okay, I'll give you my two cents and, and you can totally disagree with me. That's, that's cool. Just as long as we agree on the essentials that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died on a cross, that three days later he raised from the dead. And, and, and that he is the only way to heaven. So we need to agree on those essentials. But in my opinion, you can totally disagree with me as long as you disagree with me in love. Okay? So here's the deal. If I give you my opinion and we find out that you're right and I'm wrong, and, 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 but, but yet you disagree with me and don't do it in love, then you're wrong. Okay? So don't like... You know, be mean mugging me out in the hallway when I'm coming out there if you, if you disagree with, with my opinion. So, we are going to kick this thing off. Some of you wanted to know, is it okay to listen to secular music? Is it okay to listen to secular music? And the Bible doesn't speak directly to this, but we can pull some principles from the Bible to find an answer. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We think before we act. And the music that we listen to can affect our thoughts, which then in result will affect our actions. And, and so if that is the case, as we, as we think of in our hearts, so we become that, we act that out, all right, we need to be careful with what we are putting into our minds. Okay? Now, is, is all secular music bad? No. I don't believe all secular music is bad. I, you know, I like listening to country music. I like a little Rascal Flats. Now, I don't listen to all country music. There's actually a couple country music songs I won't listen to. There's this one song. It's called, like, Honky Tonk, Badonka Donk. And I don't listen to that because the only Badonka Donk I should be looking at is my wife's Badonka Donk. You know what I mean? I shouldn't be looking at... And so I don't want to be tempted to look at anybody else's Badonka Donk. So I don't listen to that, you know, talking about... Badonkadonks, all right? So I, I, I don't do that, okay? But, but you know what? Me and my wife, we do have songs that are, that are meaningful to us and in our marriage. You know, we, uh, uh, one of our favorites is Amazed by Lone Star. Matter of fact, if, when my wife calls me, that's like my ringtone. You know what I mean? And so, another country song. But, you know, we also, we've, we've danced to, uh, uh All My Life. Uh, by Casey and Jojo, you know what I mean? And, and anytime I'm feeling like, you know, maybe, you know, the vocals are working a little good, I, you know, I even like sing it to her, you know what I mean? Like, oh my life, I pray for someone like, yeah, no, but anyway, you know what I mean? I, I might try to put, you know, you know what I mean? Like maybe try to set the mood, you know what I mean? And, you know, maybe some of you aren't 
you know, you, you can't sing. And so you, you, you got a song that kind of sets the mood, you know, for a little bow, chicka, bow, wow. You, you know what I mean? Throw on a little, 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 uh, Barry White there, you know, can't get a love of your love, babe, you know, or, uh, sorry, Barry White. Can't get enough of your love, babe. You know, you gotta, you gotta drop it down. You know, when, when you got Barry trying to set the mood and for a married couple, that, that's totally appropriate. I mean, I mean, let's be honest, it might be hard to find like a Christian song to kind of set that mood, you know, like, I mean, you could try to twist some meanings and words, you know, like, I give myself away so you can use me. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I just feel dirty even singing that, you know, that's a song to Jesus. You know what I mean? That's Jesus. That's me and Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, ah, I'm kind of weird. You know what I mean? Trying to twist some worship songs into something else now is there secular music that is bad yes okay and again it comes down to our thought life man if you're a single and you're you know going on a date with somebody and you get in the car and all of a sudden you pop in the cd and it's like let's get it on (laughs) that's probably going to put thoughts in your mind which can turn into actions probably not the greatest thing to be listening to and so again we, we we have to have a filter we have to have a filter, okay? And, and what are we listening to? Is it giving us impure thoughts? Is it, is, is, is it tempting us? Is it, is, it, is it giving us thoughts that aren't pleasing to God? Again, I, I don't think we should be listening to music where every other word is a cuss word and mother bleep it bleep bleep this, this, and that or, or music that's derogatory towards women or derogatory towards anyone that's vulgar and, and, and vile. I don't, I don't think we should be pumping our minds with that because it, it can affect us. Matter of fact, right after I gave my life to Christ, I listened to all kinds of music. Rap, rock, hard rock, country. I mean, I listened to it all. Worship. I mean, I listened to it all. And one day I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to this CD by a guy named Rob Zombie. Okay? If you don't know who he is, he's like a devil worshiper. You know what I mean? And I'm like driving and he's like, brush, I'm a devil. And I'm like, man, this is... I'm like, why am I listening to this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want this in my mind. I don't want this in my heart. And so, you know what I did? No joke. I'm driving. I hit the eject button, and then I did another eject and just tossed it right out my window as I was driving. And forgive me for littering, I, and, and hopefully it broke. Hopefully nobody else was like, sweet, a new CD. But I was just like, I don't need this in my life, you know? And, and then, I, you know what? I started to go through all my music. I started to go through all of it, and I threw away a ton of CDs because I had music that was promoting impure thoughts, you know what I mean? Sexual immorality. I had music that was uh, about violence and it was about uh, de- de- depressing music. You know what I mean? See, music can affect your mood, your attitude. It can affect you. Spir- I mean, seriously, as a man thinketh, so he is. And if we're letting that stuff into our mind, it can affect the, the way we act. It can lead us into temptation. Okay, and so I had to get rid of all those CDs. I, I, I threw away a lot of them. Matter of fact, a lot of them had that whole little parental advisory. You know what I mean? That may be like a, a, a good sign for you that maybe I shouldn't be filling my mind with this. Okay? And, and, and let me say this. This question should not just end on music. This should go towards all media. Okay? TV shows, movies, internet, video games. All those things affect the way we think. And if you're watching any kind of, of, or you're allowing any kind of media into your mind, again, that would give you impure thoughts, that would, that would tempt you, okay, that, 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 that would, uh, again, influence you in a negative way, I, I believe you need to remove it, okay? The, the Bible says this, the Bible says if, you're right, if your hand causes you to sin, to cut it off, okay? If there is any form of media that is tempting you, 
or that is causing you to sin, you, you need to remove it and you need to cut it off. And so we've got to look at the bigger picture here. We must have a filter. We can't just be ignorant and just let it all into our mind and our heart because it will start to affect us. It will start to affect our life because our thoughts motivate our actions. So I would encourage you on that, that verse. What are you letting into your mind? What are you letting influence your thoughts, which is then going to influence your actions? Okay? For our next question, Pastor Herbert's going to address it. Is gambling a sin? Is gambling a sin? The Bible does not specifically condone or condemn gambling, betting, or the lottery. So I'm going to give you my opinion about what I think, and I believe I'm giving you from a biblical perspective. I would say that there are times when when somebody makes a, a light bet that I, I would say that it's not a, a sin. Let, let me give you an example of this. Maybe somebody is in the month of March when the NCAA tournament, tournament is happening and they, they make a light friendly bet at the office during March Madness and the March Madness tournament or, or maybe it's during fantasy football season and, and the guys or some ladies uh, get in a fantasy football league and it costs $20 to get in the league and, and the winner gets $100 or, or maybe you're on the golf course and you say to your friend, I bet you $5 you can't make that putt. I would say in those cases that that that's probably not a sin. At worst case, that would be maybe wasting some money. At best case, that's just a little light fun and entertainment. But I will say this, what is a little light fun and entertainment can quickly and easily slip into sin. And it happens to so many people. And to determine if gambling is an issue for you, I would challenge you to ask three questions. Three questions. The first question is this. When do you gamble? If it's once or twice a year and you can afford it and you're being wise, I would say it's probably entertainment for you and more than likely not a sin. If it's once or twice a month or once or twice a week, you have probably crossed a line. As I think all of us know, gambling can quickly turn into addictive behavior. And, and the behavior that, that, that drives this addiction is the sin called greed. And here's what the Bible says about greed. And we know that greed messes up people's lives. Proverbs 28 and verse 22. Greedy people try to get rich quick but don't realize they're headed for poverty. They're headed for trouble. And, and I don't believe in any get-rich-quick schemes at all. And so the first question you ought to ask yourself is, when do you gamble? The, the second question is this, where do you gamble? If it's around the office at doing March Madness time for a little light fun or you're in a wholesome environment, then I would say you, you probably haven't crossed the line. But if you are going to an environment where everybody is drunk and ladies are half naked or all the way naked, or there are men at the doors who are bouncers and their name is T-Bone or T-Dog, you're probably in the wrong environment. 
and you've got yourself in an environment where you are going to be tempted and open the door for you to fall into sin. Here's what the Bible says about atmosphere and environments and the company that we keep. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You put yourself in a bad environment and eventually the Bible says this, it will corrupt your character. So I think the second question is very important is where do you gamble? The third question is this, why do you gamble? Is it just a little fun that you can afford a couple of times a year or is it that you're saying I lost my child support and I lost my money so I got to go back and try to win the money back? Or, or is it saying, I, I, I've got to go and I've got to make this money. I've got to go gamble so that I can pay the rent. I can pay the mortgage. Is, is it you're, you're saying, you know what, I love this so much. I just enjoy it and, and I love it. And I've got to go back so that I can get some more money. I've got to win some more money. I would say if that's you, you have crossed a line and it is sin for you. It's so easy to cross the line on this subject and to fall into the sin of greed. I want to share two more verses with you about the subject of gambling, about greed. It says in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 27, a greedy man brings trouble to his family. And I think all of us have seen people wreck their lives. Their families ruined because of gambling. I personally, personally know people that have wrecked their lives with the subject and issue of, of gambling. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9 through 10, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, the greed after money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And you know what? When I think about gambling, I would say there isn't much good that can come from gambling, but there is a lot of bad that comes from it. As I said, we've seen people wreck their lives, lose their marriages, hurt their kids. And the Bible says because of greed, because of the love of money, people have even wandered from the faith. And that's what I think about gambling. I want to tackle another touchy subject in the church world, and that's the subject of alcohol. And many of you had questions about alcohol. Is alcohol, drinking alcohol, a sin? Let me start off by sharing a little light, funny story with you. There was a a pastor who got up to preach on a Sunday morning, and he was preaching to his church on the subject of alcohol. And he said, if I had all the wine in the world, I'd throw it in the river. If I had all the beer in the world, I'd throw it in the river. If I had all the whiskey in the world, I would throw it in the river. That's 
alcohol. And the music minister got up and to close the, to close the Sunday morning service, and the music minister said, please turn to him, 365. Shall we gather at the river? Because there's whiskey in the river. Okay, a little, little funny, a little, fun, little funny story there. But seriously, let, let's, let's tackle the subject of, of alcohol. What does the Bible say about alcohol? And the Bible says that getting drunk is a sin. Let's look at the scripture, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. Do not get drunk. That's a sin. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, which leads to debauchery. That word simply means sensual indulgence. It's allowing your body to call the shots. And that's what happens. People get drunk and their body's calling the shots. They're driven by sensual desires. And the Bible says that is a sin. On the flip side, having a glass of wine, according to the scripture, that's not a sin. If you have a glass of wine at dinner time, that, that, that according to scripture, is not a sin. Let me, let me remind you that Jesus turned water into wine. Let me remind you of the scripture that Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and frequent illnesses. So getting drunk is a sin. Having a glass of wine at dinner time, according to the scripture, would not be a sin. And, and I think there's a better question to ask because you and I know that people easily get drunk. You quickly cross into the line of getting drunk. Many of you, you, you know that. I personally don't. I've never had a, a drink of, of alcohol, so I, I don't know that personally, but I, I know family, friends that easily cross the line and getting drunk. And some of you say, well, Pastor, I, I drink, but, but I, I don't get drunk. I call it, Pastor, all I get is just a little buzz. I don't get drunk. I just, I get, it's just a little buzz. Okay, with your buzz self. As you stand on top of the bar with your shirt off talking about, no, no, you got more, you got, you got more than a buzz. Because you easily, you can easily cross the line into this drunken stage. And so I, I think a better question is not, is it okay to have a drink of alcohol? I think the, the better question would be, is drinking alcohol beneficial? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 12, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I would say in most cases, alcohol and drinking alcohol is probably not beneficial. And when you read the Bible, it talks very clearly about the dangers 
of drinking alcohol. Now, I want to just show that to you. I think it's very important for you to understand that the dangers of, of alcohol and how the Scripture talks about alcohol and, and the dangers of it. In, in Proverbs chapter 23, uh, verse number 29, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Don't, do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. Yes, it goes down smoothly. Maybe it tastes good, but the Bible says in verse 32, in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. It's it's dangerous, the Bible says. It says, your eyes will see strange sights, and your mind imagine confusing things. And I think a lot of you know that, that have dabbled in alcohol or drink alcohol, been drunk. You, you know that, that your, your mind sees confusing things. I mean, some of you brothers here, girl, and you t- she is fine. She is fine. She's not fine. You're high, boy. You're drunk. You got a buzz. You know, you, you, you're confused. You know, you, you ladies get a little buzz, get a little drunk. You know, you start saying, he's so nice. He is just the sweetest guy I've ever met. He's not sweet. He is running game on you. Girl, you know, when I, when I met you, I just couldn't stop thinking about you. You've just been running through my mind all day long, and I'm tired. <laughs> he, he, listen, that dude is not, listen, he is not nice. Your, your mind is playing confusing games on you, because that's what happens. The Bible says when when you indulge in alcohol and drink alcohol, it's 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 so it's so dangerous. It goes on to say this in verse thirty four: You will be like one sleeping on the high seas. I mean, here you are thinking you're on the high seas, sleeping on the high seas. You know, sleeping on top of the bill. I'm Superman. I'm sleeping on. The, I mean, you're, it's dangerous. You know, some, some of you are not sleeping on the high seas. You find yourself sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse. You find yourself engaging in sex outside of marriage. You find yourself pregnant. You find yourself with a sexually transmitted disease because of what the Bible calls debauchery. Your body takes control and you lose proper thinking. It goes on to say lying on top of the rigging. Verse 35, they hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. Isn't that true? People start thinking they're tough and they're all, they, they get a little buzz, get a little drunk, you, you know, they get hit. I'm, I'm not hurt. I'm not, nothing wrong with me. Yeah, listen, your bottom lip is split in two. There's a problem. There's an issue. You, you are hurt. But that, that's the dangers of alcohol, the Bible says. It says they beat me, but I do not feel it. I think I'm Superman. I think I'm invincible. I think I'm Wonder Woman. It says, when will I wake up so I can find another drink? Catch this. I want you to see the addictive behaviors there. Alcohol, so many people get addicted to alcohol. And they get addicted and they find themselves in a dangerous place. And now they've wrapped their car around a tree. They've lost the respect of the kids. Their marriage ends because of alcohol addiction. It's very dangerous to play with, with this thing called alcohol. And so I, I think we see why the Apostle Paul says everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. 
and we must be aware of the dangers of alcohol. And that's what I think about alcohol. Let me close with this last one uh, today before I turn it back over to Pastor Chris. And I want to address the subject of marriage and what, what, what's okay in the marriage bedroom. A lot of you ask, what is okay in the marriage bedroom? And, and here's how I want to address this question. I'm not going to deal with specifics. Sorry about that. But I'm going to give you biblical principles that I believe will answer the question on what is appropriate and what is acceptable in the marriage bedroom. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 4, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Well, how do we keep the marriage bed pure? In other words, the Bible is giving us parameters in a marriage relationship on how to keep the marriage bed pure. Here's what it says. For God will judge the adulterer. Adulterer. In other words, you can't bring somebody else into your bedroom. And we got some crazy stuff going on in today's world. But I'm telling you, that is a sin according to the Scripture. One man, one woman in holy matrimony. The Bible says keep the bedroom pure. Keep the marriage bed pure. There are parameters you have to be inside of it. It says, and also the sexual immoral sex outside, outside the marriage arena. And let me say this, that would be bringing in pornography. You're being aroused by somebody else besides your spouse. That is a sin. You cannot bring that into a marriage relationship and honor your heavenly father. You have to stay within God's guidelines. There's another scripture I want to share with you in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. Come on, all the men say, hoo, 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 hoo. Come on. Yeah, the wife's body belongs to me. Hey, baby, did you hear the preacher today? That's right. That your body is not just your body. Your body is also Big Daddy's body. Amen. I knew the brothers would like that today. All right. But that's what the Bible says. It also says in the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. And and the wife said, that's right. Your body belongs to me, too. And I don't want your body no more. Amen. I'm just playing. I'm just, that, that was just a little life thunder. All right. But but, but the, the, the husband's body belongs to the wife as well. Verse number five says, do not deprive. We're looking at what the Bible says about what's okay in the bedroom. Do not deprive each other except for mutual consent for and, and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The Bible says the, the, the only biblical reason to, to say no to one another is because you're praying, not because you've got a headache. I'm sorry. And all the wives say today, honey, I'm, I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord. Come on now, ladies. Don't, don't, don't use that today, all right? But, but, but let, let, let's look at this. I want you to see the Bible t- talks about this. And here, here's, what, here's what we get out of this. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, husbands and wives, go for it. Don't, don't deprive each other. Have 
fun. This is a wonderful gift. The gift of sex is a wonderful gift between a husband and a wife. And there seems to be a lot of freedom in the marriage bed. Matter of fact, if you read the Song of Solomon, it's a very erotic book. And it seems to say that there's a lot of freedom between a husband and a wife in the marriage bed. And I would say this, in my opinion, if the two of you agree... Not coercing and, and, and manipulating one another, but if you agree and you love and respect one another, have fun. Honor God and have fun. Come on, look at your wife right now and say, Barry White tonight. All right, Barry White's getting some love today at People's Church. Next question we're going to address is, is it okay to live together before marriage? Uh, This is a very popular question. The Bible does speak directly to this. So let's look to God's word. Mark chapter 10, verse 7 through 8. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Notice it says a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his what? His wife, not his boo, not his baby's mama, not as I hope she's going to be my wife, not I need to find out if she's wife material, not his fiance, his wife. All right. So in the words of Beyonce or that message Pastor Herbert did last year, if you want it, put a ring on it. All right. And Pastor Herbert just alluded to that verse about keeping the marriage bed pure. This goes right along with that, okay? What You get married, then you live together. Honor God, okay? Don't let the devil fool you and help you make every excuse. Oh, we got to do this, isn't that? Honor God. It's the greatest way to go in your relationship. And so I'd encourage you. Maybe some of you have, have already made that decision and you're living together. Do what's right. Move out or get married. Honor God. With your relationship in God's eyes. No, it is not okay to live together before marriage. Okay. Last question we're going to hit is a good one. They're all good ones, but I kind of like this one. Are there aliens? Are there aliens? I'm just curious. How many of you at one point in your life thought you saw like a UFO or an alien? Anybody in here? A few hands. You know, you see a thing in the sky. What? In, it's an alien. Take pictures. You know, you know well, I, I did some research on uh, Wikipedia because they have all the answers. You know what I mean? So, uh, and there are some sightings that were listed this year. Uh, in May of uh, 16th, 2011, in Lee Summit, Missouri, it says a metallic disc-shaped object. object Pulsating red, green, and blue lights. Uh, Six witnesses saw this object. There was also a pulsating orange-red orb that split into six little orbs. Fifteen witnesses saw this. So if you're ever going to Lee's Summit, be careful. There may be some aliens there. January 26, 2011, in Kolkata, India, a glowing round object making a speedy descent near the west Bengal-Bihar border early on January 26th left pilots of five aircrafts baffled, triggering widespread speculation about unidentified flying objects, UFOs. Indian Air Force radars failed to track the object through 
the radar. And, and this, I mean, if you can go online, there are just tons and tons of, you know, uh, supposedly sightings and this, this and that. And here's the deal. The Bible does not speak about aliens, okay? So I'm going to give you my opinion. Personally, I do not believe in aliens or UFOs, okay? Personally, I don't believe in them. However, I do believe there are other forces at work in our world other than us, okay? And, and that force is the devil. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He is real, and he will attack people. If you are a Christ follower, he wants to mess with you. He, he, he wants to set a trap for you. He, he wants to get you caught up in, in, in sin and some sort of addictions. He's, he's going to mess with you. If you're not a Christ follower, he wants to do everything he can to stop that. He wants to do everything he can to keep you as far away from God as he possibly can. Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil is at work. Again, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says he is a roaring lion looking to devour us, okay? And you may ask the question, well, can the, the devil only, can the devil overpower me? Only if you let him. Only if you let him, okay? The Bible does not have legal authority over your life. Look what James 4, 7 says. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee with you. If you submit your life to God, it says when you resist him, he will flee from you. Not he might, not maybe. See, the only power that the devil has in your life is the power you give him. It's the only power he has in or, or over your life, okay? And so I, I, I want to challenge some of you. Maybe some of you, you've dabbled in some, some witchcraft or, or seances or Ouija boards or horoscope or tarot cards or, or some other sin. You, you are not submitting your life to God. You, you are opening a door and you are giving Satan a foothold in your life. And, and he is going to wreak havoc. Again, he literally wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy you and he wants to harm you. And so if you're in this place and maybe you're feeling oppressed, you're, you're feeling that attack, submit your life to God. Every area of your life, submit it to him. And it says when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But if you don't submit, again, you leave, you leave that door open and he will come. He, he will wreak havoc. And so if you're feeling oppressed, maybe you're feeling defeated in here, maybe you're feeling kicked around, you've given the devil a foothold, or you opened a door through, you know, some way, shape, or form, then I would encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You're stuck in bondage, you're all beat up, turn your life over to Jesus. He's going to set you free. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated the devil. Again, when you have Jesus in your life, he's going to give you the power and the strength to overcome any attack from the devil. But again, you must have your life completely submitted to God. And so if you're there, I challenge you today. Submit it. Turn your life over to Jesus. Let's pray. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for this opportunity.